not putting that curse on BYU. No way. No. Win now. Yeah. Does biting into a juicy pickle count as consuming pickle juice? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm a little stitious on that matter. Uh, thank you? This is amazing. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. The head basketball coach, Mark Pope, making a very loud entrance into the program. We expect nothing less, my friend. Welcome. How are we, boys? We're great. We're we're stoked. We're talking uh, hoops in October. We're about to cross over. Love it. It just got cold. It's so beautiful. Okay, uh, we're that much closer to an actual basketball game. After a crazy last six months for you, in fact, how would you explain the last six months in your tenure as the BYU basketball coach? Uh, I think it's, it's awesome, right? I think you don't ask for anything more. Uh, keep things dramatic and interesting. <laughs> and We're trying to write a story every day. And uh, the best part has been getting to know these young men because we have spectacular young men that are really uh, digging in and, and trying to accomplish something special. You have 6 a.m. practices right now. What's, the, what's that like? When do you get into the gym in the morning? I actually don't come to the 6 a.m.s. I just come to the afternoon practice. Let those, no. <laughs> <laughs> what's been remarkable about this crew is that we have not had a, a, anybody show up late yet. Because wow. I actually sit in my office and I'm like, okay, when is the day going to be? Because then we teach our guys not to be late. These guys won't let me teach them. They're unbelievable, and they come in with juice every day, and they're focused, and they're working hard, and we have unbelievable leadership at every turn on this team right now, and so it's been fun. It's been really great, and, uh, you know, there's definitely a grind to it, no doubt about it, but these guys have have risen to the, you know, to the occasion, and they're working hard. Why is that, you think? Senior group? I think it's a senior group. I think it's a veteran group. I think it's a hungry group. I think it's a group that has some, genuinely has some questions about who we can be and some nervousness. And I think it's a group that right now is believing in work. They believe that, that work pays off. And that sounds so trite, but actually it's a, it's a missing concept a little bit in the world today. These guys think they work really hard. They're going to have great success, and they're buying into that, and they will. How have you handled the adversity and the challenges and – let me rephrase it. What's been the most challenging part of handling the unexpected things that you can't really prepare for? Um, that's that, that's just sports, right? That's what makes it great. Um, you know, I, I'll say this a thousand times. I mean, we talk to our guys every day. We talk to them about like, hey, this game, in a big sense, this game asks you every day how you're going to respond. That's what's interesting about the game. The, the game is not interesting about your game plan going into a game. It's asking you, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to something going wrong uh, on the court with the refs, with the fans? How are you going to respond to something going wrong in the course of the season? How do you respond? That's what it asks you. And the great players ring the bell. And the great teams ring the bell. And so it's, um, you know, this, is, this, is, this is what we do as athletes and coaches. We learn how to respond and we try and figure it out. And, um, and these guys certainly are, are focused on trying to do that. The next thing to figure out is, okay, how does the on-court product uh, differ schematically without Gavin Baxter? You've talked about perhaps we go small, we'll figure it out. And you still have some time to figure it out, but what are some of your thoughts there of, okay, without Gavin, what now? Well, I can tell you one thing absolutely without a shadow of a doubt for sure. We're going small. (laughs) Because <laughs> we don't have any big guys. <laughs> so we will be small. So you have the answer already. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes, uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I could give you a thousand examples, but sometimes circumstance actually 
forces you to um, to be creative, mm-hmm. and 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 it's terrifying, uh, and it's worrisome. But there's been time after time after time where teams kind of raise up in those circumstances and they actually accomplish special things that people don't think they're going to be able to do because they're not maybe a perfect group on paper. And so uh, we're certainly being stretched now in how we approach the game and how we think about the game. And, and we're going to play small because we just don't have any big bodies. And, um, and it's going to be fun and it's going to be entertaining. And people are going to see uh, these kids whole heart and their soul laid out on this floor and it's going to be inspiring. You probably had an idea of schematically what you wanted to do going into the season. Does that change now with this? Do you have to adjust schematically? Yeah, I mean, we did. I mean, it, honestly, we spent, you know, I've actually, I'm actually much more comfortable playing small, not, not quite this small. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've had Jake Toulson playing the four for me for the last couple of years. And having incredibly skilled players one through four has kind of been how we've played a lot. And so we spent the, the, uh, the you know, the summer and, and the, the trip to Italy um, really focused on kind of working on some things where we had two big different skill set guys on the floor. And, and so I think we have some versatility that way. Right now, you know, when we get Yoli back, uh, that front line is still going to be really interesting. We'll be able to go a little bit bigger and a little bit smaller at times. And so it's going to be functional for us to be able to do both. Does this automatically mean more three-pointers are going up because you are playing small? Well, I like to shoot, you know, come on. That's what we do, man. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna guard really hard. Uh, we're going to be really aggressive. Uh, we're going to get to the free throw line. Um, we're going to make sure that we get paint touches consistently, and we're going to shoot every single open shot we have. And if guys don't shoot open shots, they're going to come sit by me for the rest of the game. So that's, that's, uh, that was one of the gifts that Coach Patino gave us as players in college. Um, because it, it kind of takes a lot of uh, different nuances, you know, things that you might be concerned to play out of the picture. And so we're going to play. I mean, you know, that's going to be dictated by the defense. It's going to be what the defense gives us. So they're giving us shots. We're taking them, man. We shoot. And this team can really, really shoot it. Uh, we do a bucks drill to start every practice. It's a shooting drill. And I've had really, I've had top 50 shooting teams in the country the last three years. And I've never had a team shoot the ball like this. I mean, the score is not going to mean anything to you. But the fact that we're consistently between 150 and 160 is crazy. The marker's 130. And in the past, I've said, if we get to 160, we're shutting down practice. I can't do that anymore. (laughs) So so this crew can make shots. And and it's going to be one of the things that's really dangerous about this team. Who are the best shooters on the team? Um, Coach Burgess making shots, man. You, you put out a video. You saw that yesterday, footer. right? He's shooting at one foot for two. He's so bored. He's so bored with making shots. He's like, shoot him off one foot from 28. He's supposed to miss for the rebounding drill, <laughs> yeah. and he can't miss. So, uh, you know what? We have shooters all around. I mean, this TJ Hawes is going to be a, he's going to shoot the living daylights out of the ball. And this Jake Toulson is a proven, proven, proven shooter. He's the one guy that he's going to be dangerous at a new level this year because he's actually he's going to get shots off quicker. And this Trevin Nell is a freshman is going to really, really shoot the ball well for us. And Dalton Nixon is shooting the ball well for us. And you kind of go down the list. Jesse, uh, Wade. Jesse Wade is going to make a ton of shots for us. And Zach Selyus, one of my happiest moments in the last six months. I'm sitting in the office. Guys are in half an hour before the afternoon practice yesterday. And I look out. I'm just at my desk, and I can see out the window onto the court. And I saw Zach Selyus shooting a three, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I was so happy. This Zach said was going to make a ton of shots for us, and Connor Harding is shooting the ball well. And I mean, you know, we have a, 
it's one of the things about playing the lineup that we're going to be forced to play is we're going to have a lot of guys on the court that can really shoot it, really pass it, make plays, come off ball screens. Uh, we'll have a versatile group. We know that Gavin Baxter suffered an unfortunate shoulder injury, but you mentioned Zach Selyus. H- how is Zach's health and his progress as he's coming back? He's doing great. He's uh, he's been listen. He has been working so hard. Uh, you know, um, you know, he was he was in the cast for the first four weeks, three weeks, and then he got into a boot. And in the boot, we got to put him in the pool on the treadmill down at the facility. And so he was. Uh, I was getting pictures from Coach Sork, who's been unbelievable every day with. Started out, uh, you know, Zach just floating around with his rubber ducky in her tube, and then he got it. <laughs> actually, got to the point where he's kind of walking and jogging and getting some pace on the treadmill. And uh, you know, they've been he's been working so hard. So his 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 return is is going really fast, and and he's going to be back. He'll be back. I, I feel really good about him being back. Hopefully by the season open. That's incredible because when did when did he break his foot? It was on the Italy trip. When, when in August. Yeah. Right. So we literally it happened, and and you know, so the first thing was to try. And take care of him, you know, make sure he was fine. And then two minutes later, the only thing going through my mind is, all right, let's count out these, count out this time. And so I think we had five days left on the trip, uh, and and we knew kind of the general idea of the recovery time. And it would, and we're playing with the, you know, this November fourth date. And so we're like, we got to send him home tomorrow. So we got him on a plane. We, we actually tried to get him on a plane the next morning, and things went sideways. We finally got him on a plane the next morning. But those four days, you know, might be the difference between him actually being a suit up for the opener. So, wow. So it's you know it was it's a super time sensitive. He deserves this. He's worked so hard this summer, and then since he's got and he and he had two unbelievable games in Italy. I mean, he might have been the best player on the floor the first two games in Italy. He was unbelievable. Mm. And um, and he worked so hard defensively this summer. He was locked in. And so it's going to take him a minute to get that back. But he's hungry for this season. I'm so glad he's going to be able to play in all these games. We've been talking about program expectations and first year and everything that's gone into this um, and maximizing the talent of this group. Is it too hard of a line to say NCAA tournament or bust with this group? Or is it, hey, let's just be our best selves? Um, well, here's the thing. Is is yeah, I mean, we want to go to the NCAA tournament. We'd like to win the NCAA tournament, right? Uh, we'd like to go to the WCC tournament and win the WCC tournament. We'd like to go to Maui and win Maui. Um, but I, I think that when you get too locked into that picture for us, for fans, man, I hope the fans are like, hey, these guys go to do all this stuff. But for us, our focus literally has to be on today on getting better today, right? Because if we get too, first of all, what we're doing right now takes so much emotional and physical energy. Just camp right now takes so much energy that if we're spending a lot of time thinking about what's happening then and not focus on what's happening today, we're missing out on getting better. So for us, this is what we know. We know that because of circumstance and because of the way basketball works, we have got to be playing our very best basketball at the end of the season. That is our goal. And the only way to do that is to get better every single day and to take every single victory and every single setback and every single trick that happens to us along the way and find, find a way to grow from it. And so our focus is squarely there. Um, we, we expect to be a very, very good team by the end of the season. That's the expectation we put on for ourselves. We have a bunch of individuals, a bunch of seniors that expect to have a very, very special year. And so falling short of that is unacceptable. So, you know, exactly how that's going to shape up, I don't know. That's for you guys to talk about. For us, we're talking about getting better every single day. BYU Basketball Media Day on BYU Sports Station continues with the head coach, Mark Pope. Speaking of expectations, what can we expect on October 23rd at BYU's version of 
Midnight Madness. I'm so hyped, man. Anything happening at midnight has got to be good in the Marriott Center. Are we in the Marriott Center? We're in the Marriott Center, right? You tell us. I don't know. We're in the Marriott Center. I, don't know. I think we're in the Marriott Center. Yeah. Uh, we actually just had our first meeting about that today. I know the marketing department's working really hard on it. And it what starts it, at 1030, by the way. So you're going to go well, to midnight? Yeah, but we're not. No, I think we're actually like 1030 is like all the fun warm-up stuff. Oh, I, I think gotcha. we're rolling at 1201. This is like throwback Midnight Madness. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I did it in college. Uh-huh. You're in the locker room looking at the stands just packed people going crazy and we can't walk on the floor till 1201 so i don't exactly know that's how i don't know yet <laughs> and i'm so happy i don't know yet the fact that i don't have to know that yet is one of the things that makes byu extraordinary yeah that is a school night so go ahead and be sick on thursday no no go to 24th. school man you gotta come party with us in the marriott center for midnight madness and then go to class and talk about and it and then take a nap I'm amen talk- i'm talking elementary school kids man yeah these college kids are always up a minute okay we buried the lead here uh you you drove in like a nascar oh my goodness. vehicle in Vegas on the Speedway last week. It was so unbelievable. I kid you not. It was so awesome. How so fast we, were you going? You, just you? No, no. So it was. So we had a contest. You know, you were Mark Field, right? It's 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 BYU Gonzaga. That's what it is. St. Mary's great, obviously. Pepperdine, San Francisco, a ton of great teams. I'm not trying to offend anybody, okay? But right now on this day, it was head to head, the great Mark Few and the winless. At BYU so far, Mark Pope. <laughs> Even matchup. Not only that, but F- Coach Few is really athletic. You know, he goes and he does, uh, you know, he's on the lake skiing and wakeboarding and doing flips and stuff. And I am not. I'm actually really big and I don't have good balance. And <laughs> ideally, I don't really fit in this car. So they had to get the Jimmy John's car four, which I was so hyped about because Jimmy John's, was, was sponsor bad. of BYU Athletics, thank you so much. So... They knew this car would fit because apparently six months ago, Charles Barkley came and he fit in this car. And he fits in a different way. So I was like, if I don't fit in this car, man, I'm never going to hear the end of it. Was it just you in the car? Just me driving. Oh, my God. Let's go. So there's a, th- here's the thing is that I got in and you, 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 it's stick shift. So you have to get to fourth gear. Literally by the time you get out off the straightaway. Uh-huh. Well, that's you on University Avenue. Yeah. Well, sh- <laughs> and... <laughs> And this ramp that you're turning on is 22 degrees pitched. Steep. And so you have to get this instructional deal. And they said like 17 times, if you come down on the apron on the ramp, you're going from the 22 degrees to the ramp, you're going to spin out and die. I mean, they basically said that over and over again. So I'm like, you know, I'm nervous. (laughs) Went around the first lap. I I kid you not, I was was cooking at like 32 miles an hour. (laughs) And so they they gave me like seven laps. And then by the end, like we were flying, it, I, you feel like you are in a rocket ship. And the whole deal is like you go just as fast in the straightaway as you do on the turn. Like you're not picking the pedal up at all. Wow. wow. So, so I think they clocked me at 140, 146.8.7 miles per hour. It was Woo. unbelievable. That's, a, that's quite the thrill. On the turn, bro. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm glad you're and, alive. And you summoned your can, we, can we put those pictures out? Because tell me I do not look great. So my only request was I was like, please, because BYU TV was there. I'm like, please, 
can we just stop the car on the turn and let me run up and down the thing on, in a diaper screaming, I'm on fire! I'm on fire! <laughs> but they said that that would not be appropriate for BYU TV. I was so disappointed. You to the wrong people. Oh, man, I was bummed. Oh, shake, shake, shake and bake. Shake and bake, baby. And then you were interviewed after and you did this with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'll hold it. I'll hold it. Uh, Great to talk awesome. to you, Coach. Appreciate oh, you guys. Man. Fantastic stuff. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Stadium College Football Insider, Brett McMurphy, friend of the program. Brett, nice to have you back on. How are you? Good to talk to you guys again. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, what kind of a weather welcome can BYU fans expect in Tampa, Florida this weekend? You know, it's actually rained here the past couple of days. It probably hadn't rained in the last month. Um, I don't think we're going to have any rain on Saturday. Uh, but typical uh, temperatures in the 80s, uh, it's not going to be really too hot. Obviously, uh, for anybody traveling from your your neck of the woods, it will be a little bit warmer, but I don't think it's going to be miserably hot or anything. So it should be a nice, uh, nice, nice day for football. I think. Yeah, Brett, if you want to try your hand at meteorology, you know, I think you may have a future in this. I think anybody can have a future <laughs> with weather.com, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> Brett, what's your impression of BYU football through the first five games of the season? Uh, you know. Some surprises, some good, some bad. You know, obviously, um, you know, being the only school in the country to go with uh, with open with four Power Five opponents, uh, you know, the nice uh, the nice upset with against Tennessee and uh, you know USC, and then uh, you know the tough loss against Washington, and then obviously I think the Toledo loss was just a product of you know just being worn out against uh, that, that tough schedule and then having, having to travel. So, um, you know, I've, you know, at times very impressed at times, uh, you know, BYU didn't look as good, but I, again, it's the only school in the country that's faced that type of schedule. Uh, I think you guys made out pretty much what I thought you'd be. Um, probably probably a little bit better. I take that back. Cause I, I probably looking before the season, I thought if you guys would have come out of that one and three, um, and then probably two and three, I just didn't expect the loss to Toledo, and I thought probably one of the losses to either Tennessee or, or to USC. South Florida head coach Charlie Strong referenced BYU yesterday, and he, he said, quote, that he referenced them as a, quote, really good power five team in the college football landscape. <laughs> Is BYU still considered a P5 equivalent in your opinion? Or it depends on your definition of power five, because somebody was on Twitter the other day asked me about this, or saying, "Well, you referenced BYU as a power five opponent five years ago at ESPN when I was reporting that some of the power five conferences were counting BYU as a power five opponent." And it's basically the conferences can designate whatever they want to meet the requirements for playing power five opponents. Um, but bottom line is, if you're not in one of the Power Five conferences or Notre Dame, you are not a Power Five program. I mean, that's the re- that's the reality of it. 
uh, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, so I know when when these coaches talk about other teams, they're obviously going to build them up and say, well, they're a Power 5 program and all that. You know, look, BYU is not a Power 5 program. Boise State's not a Power 5 program. Um, that's just the reality of it. And it's it's unfortunate, but, but that's how it is. And, um, yeah, it doesn't mean you can't win on the field against the Power 5 programs, which – BYU and, you know, I think Mount Morris is having a great year against Power 5 opposition. Um, but as far as the definition of a Power 5 program, you don't have an automatic bid to the college football playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls. You don't have a meteorites deal worth north of 25 or $30 million a year. So that is what a Power 5 program is. And BYU and 64 other schools are not one of those. Yeah, I'm with you. Last time I checked the bank account, that $30 million from a TV contract was not coming in. Although BYU fans will hold on to anything they can, they can get their grasp on when it comes to, well, we're a Power 5 equivalent. We want the respect. We want the respect of the nation. So, Brett, <laughs> as, as a Power 5 equivalent in scheduling, according to some conferences, is BYU's 2-3 and three record right now more a result of the difficult schedule, in your opinion, or is it more injuries to Tyson Williams and Zach Wilson and the lack of execution? I think it's more the schedule. Again, you, you look at this and, you know, obviously Vegas is not everything, but based on point spreads, you know, BYU should have been one and four at this point. They should have lost all four games against the Power 5 opponents, and they didn't. So I think, I think that's very impressive. Again, I, you know, that if, you, if BYU would have had the open date before the Toledo game, I think that Toledo game would have ended up differently. I, I thought BYU would have won that game. But just, again, coming off the body blows of four consecutive Power 5 opponents, and that's why a lot of, you know, when you get these people that are, are, that are touting these non-Power programs, that, you know, a UCF or somebody like that, and people that are skeptical are like, well, look, if you play in a Power 5 league and you play a Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, you play these type of opponents four or five consecutive weeks, then the injuries start to pile up, then you start having issues, and obviously BYU has learned firsthand. So, no, I don't necessarily um, think it's really that much lack of execution. I just think it's a, a... a culmination of, of playing these bigger teams that are deeper and stronger, and it just it finally took a toll. So it'll be fascinating to see how, how the Cougs fare uh, the second half of the season when they don't have to face that type of opposition, with the exception of maybe uh, Boise State. Brett, we referenced at the beginning of the interview that you live in Tampa. What, what's the vibe on Charlie Strong and South Florida in that area? Do, or, do people pay attention to them? I mean, what's, what's the vibe down there with the program? Uh, this will be, for those that come to the game Saturday, this will be the biggest stadium slash smallest crowd that you will probably have ever encountered. Oh, boy. Um, you know, basically – you know, it's frustrating, I think, for USF fans because Charlie Stringer was brought in. And initially, the first reaction was, great, we're bringing in this guy, and then he's going to win one year, and then he's going to move on. And I would tell those fans, look, you've got two alternatives. One is he comes in, he wins right away, and he moves on, and the program's in a better spot. Or two, he doesn't win enough right away, and he isn't able to, to go back to the Power Five, 
And then you've got him for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden you're like, we haven't won enough. What's going on? We need a coaching change. I think they're getting close to that latter example. And the the biggest reason is in their last 11 games against FBS opponents, they are two and nine. Both of those wins were against UConn. Mm. So it hasn't gone well for USF and for Charlie Strong. Um, and at the same time, UCF, you know, their big rival is well aware of what they've done the past couple of years. Um, so it's, it's going to be, uh, we'll have to see how USF does uh, the rest of the year. Obviously, you know, BYU and Navy back to back weeks. And then the, the last in the month of November, they take on the, the top teams from from the American and Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF in consecutive weeks. So uh, USF uh, could struggle to get to six wins and get to a bowl game. Brett McMurphy, Stadium Sports College Football Insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. You have Navy and BYU playing in the Hawaii Bowl for a third straight week in your bowl projections. If not Navy... What other team could potentially fill that spot to take on BYU in Hawaii? You want me to throw somebody in there next week? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Why not? Well, here's the deal. So, obviously, these, you know, the accuracy rate on these are, are not very high. Although the BYU one, I don't tell anyone, that one's a lock, okay? Um, but, no, but as far as the opponents, look, I'm told Navy probably is not going to go back to the military, so I try to mix it up and find out, okay, where would Navy, would be a good spot for Navy, send them all the way to Hawaii. Uh, they always try to get somebody different in there. Maybe UCF hasn't been to Hawaii. Um, UCF obviously would be a good TV matchup. They look for good TV matchups in that Hawaii Bowl um, played around the Christmas holiday. So I, I could see UCF. Maybe as a possibility. I think the only schools that you're likely not going to see in that game will be Houston because they were in there a couple of years ago, and then Cincinnati uh, was also a few years ago. So uh, maybe some mix of a Memphis or UCF could could be a possibility, and we could we could replay that uh, infamous uh, Miami Beach game. Uh, oh boy! Oh yeah! You know, if you if you want. <laughs> Brett, great stuff. We appreciate the time as always and uh, your insights into the Cougars and college football. Thanks so much. Okay. Enjoy the trip to Tampa. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Brett. Brett McMurphy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Rest in peace to Brett McMurphy's mentions today for BYU <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's a fall tradition on BYU Sports Nation. We are tracking BYU football opponents, starting with who the Cougars face this Saturday. South Florida picks up its second win of the season, 42-22 win over UConn. The Bulls rushed for 313 yards in the win and now sit at 2-3. and three. To me, this is the second, or not, this is the... This is the worst team BYU will have played. South Florida. Tennessee 48. is second. They put up 48. Does this concern you more because of what they did against UConn? No, UConn is the worst. <laughs> UConn's so bad. Uh, Boise State, pretty good. They remain undefeated. They move up two more spots to Whoa. number 14. Wow. In the latest AP Top 25 poll. Default raising. After beating a really, really bad UNLV team 38-13. 
Both Khalil Shakir and John Hightower had over 100 receiving yards. Boise State hosts Hawaii on Saturday. They're going to win that game. They might come into Provo as high as number 12 or 13. Listen, they're good, but it's like me with a a hoop and a trampoline, right? I can't dunk, but on a tramp, I can't. Boise State is ranked higher than Utah. Spot than Utah. Do you think Boise State's better than Utah? No, I think Boise State's good. Very good. They're top 15. Fake idea of BYU's schedule. We're just jealous. (laughs) Utah State went to Death Valley at LSU, lost 42-6. Jordan Love threw three picks in the loss. Aggies are 3-2. Liberty beat New Mexico State 20-13 in their first of two games against the Aggies That's right. They play them twice. <laughs> Independent probs. Joshua Mack rushed for 113 yards, including a four-yard touchdown with six minutes left to give the Eagles that close victory. Liberty goes into the bye week with a four and two record, Jerem. Four good, and two. Good for them. They have great insurance. Idaho State two and five after losing at Montana 59-20 at North Dakota this week. UMass. Yikes. Find themselves on the wrong end of a 44-0 shutout at the hands of Florida International on Saturday. The Minutemen now one and five on the season and face Louisiana Tech on Saturday. At least they beat Akron, so they're not the worst of the worst. Okay. San Diego State quarterback Ryan Agnew threw three touchdowns in a 24-10 win over Colorado State. The Aztecs are four and one. Okay. Sneaky, sleepy. Mm-hmm. The one loss is what? Utah State, I think, right? And uh, host Wyoming this week. Yeah, they just don't have much offense. But they could make They had interesting... enough to beat Colorado State. <laughs> Utah moves up two spots to number 15 in the AP poll after the Utes by week. They play at Oregon State in Corvallis this week. They're better than Boise State. I was hoping Utah played Oregon, then I would go to that game, and it could actively root against Utah, like cheer. I'm not used to that. Tennessee lost 43-14 to third-ranked Georgia. They were up 14-10 in the oh, second yeah, quarter. Baby. Losers talk about margins in the first half and are 1-4 this year. Tennessee is awful at Mississippi State this year. Come on, beat Mississippi State. USC also enjoyed a bye week and prepares to face Notre Dame in South Bend. The ninth-ranked Fighting Irish await this week. Clay Helton's starting to feel some heat on his seat as well as the USC head coach. That's what BYU does, though. They beat you and then you you get heat on the seat. (laughs) As you said, Washington drops out of the top 25 after falling on the road 20-14 at Stanford at Arizona this week. Pretty shocking that Washington already has two losses. I thought they'd be better than this. Toledo makes it four straight wins. They beat Western Michigan 31-24. Mitchell Guadani threw for two touchdowns, rushed for two more. Four and one on the season. Their only loss against a pretty good Kentucky team at Kentucky. Bowling Green up next for the Rockets, one of their uh, rivals, if you will. They're going to be 5-1. Toledo, I could see them going 9-2, and 9-3. I mean, they might win the match. But yeah. it doesn't make that loss sting any less. Sweet. It really doesn't. I, yeah, yeah. And those are it, it your Cougar opponents. We'd call it Cougar Tracks, but I think KSL owns the rest of that nip. Well, we could probably still use it. I don't know. We'll look into it. You're on both sides of that fence. Let's go. Let me get in on the and negotiations. Dave. You and Dave. I'm the only one that's not a KSL that works here. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now in Studio B, star senior forward, Yoli Childs. How does that sound to be introduced as a senior forward? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. It, it's so wild how time flies. You always have the 
the older guys when you're younger talking about, oh, it's crazy, it goes by so fast, but it really does. It's it's unreal to me that it's my senior year. Yoli, when you walk into a room, you beam. You got that smile, there's this energy, and this all in spite of coaching change. Uh, you go from NBA draft prep back to BYU, then comes an unfortunate nine-game suspension. How, how do you keep the smile and the positive attitude on your face when you face some real adversity? I'm, I'm just excited. It's, it's the... The outlook you have on life. That was one of my big takeaways from conference, actually, was I feel like that was mentioned a lot, was just no matter what's going on, it's, it's kind of your decision and, and your opportunity to have joy and to be happy. And I'm just so stoked about the positive things that are going on right now, how hard this team's working, the guys I get to play with, and the opportunity to be here at this university. I mean, how could you not be happy, you know? And that's uh, what it's all about because you can't control whether the NCAA suspends you nine games or not, right? I want to come back. What? Okay, I'm just going to have a good attitude. And Nick Emery retires, and Gavin Baxter has a shoulder injury, and you know TJ has a scope, and whatever. Um, so describe to us what it's like with this team right now, because it feels like this team is very focused, given the last couple of seasons, given what's happened in the offseason, and with a bunch of seniors. Yeah, no, I, I think we're really locked in. And something I've been thinking about a lot, and the guys have been talking about a lot, is all the crazy stories, all the, the incredible victories, all the amazing seasons that no one saw coming, how many of them started off with like everything was perfect and then it ended perfect. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that doesn't that point. doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? The 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 greatest stories are the stories that start with ad- adversity and trials and, and challenges. Those are the great stories. And that's what this team wants to do. We want to write a great story, not just a good story, not an okay story. We want an amazing story that BYU fans will remember forever. And we've been talking about okay, it, I feel like Mark Pope and this coaching staff will max out what this group can do. We hope it's the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. right? But is it, is it unfair to say it's NCAA tournament or bust? Is that, is that too hard of a line to draw? No, not at all. Okay. I think that's the, the expectation, especially with this group, is to uh, first off get to the NCAA tournament and then advance when we're there. I think we have so many seniors. We're so smart, and everyone's just working so hard that, I mean, that's, that's obviously the goal. And uh, Anything short of that, we we would probably consider a failure. I mean, that's that's what we need to do. It's it's time. BYU basketball senior forward Yoli Childs on BYU Sports Nation. What is your role now through the first nine games of the season and when you return? How how will all of that change and evolve? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is just being a hundred percent every day. Just being the guy that that comes and works hard and practice every day because. I can see that I'm getting better every day. And then when I'm able to bring in on the defensive end and push guys on the offensive end, it makes everybody else better. Um, I'm able to come in and be a vocal leader and kind of set the tone, especially for some of our younger guys, and and show them what's expected. And um, I think just with so many seniors and and having that leadership role, uh, it can really benefit our team. How are you getting better on the floor? Uh, A ton of ways. I think um, my, my defensive presence is getting better all the time. Um, Coach Pope is is really on me about that, always being the best I can be, being active, talking, communicating, uh, running the floor hard, uh, pushing heard, it on I've the I've heard break. stories about this, about Yoli sprinting the floor the, the like tra- never the, before. It's, it, the transition game, is it's, it's going to open a, a lot of new things for us, especially uh, just putting pressure on the defense, getting teams in foul trouble. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. You shot a but you doubled your three uh, amount of threes you took last year and improved by one percent. Is that something you'll continue to do? Is shoot more threes and hopefully have a higher percentage? Of course. I think a big thing we're focusing on is 
taking great shots. Mm. So I don't know. It, it'll depend how teams guard me. If I'm open, I'm going to let it fly, um, but I'm not going to force anything. I think with, with how many options we have and how many guys we have that can shoot the ball and pass and put it on the floor and make plays for each other, uh, we don't really want to settle for anything other than a really great look. So it's just going to depend on if teams are flying out at me, then I probably won't shoot a ton of threes. If teams are giving me space, then I'll probably shoot some. So, How has the uh, kind of more numbers and metric-based approach uh, affected this mentality in terms of efficiency? It's been really cool. Um, I think something it's, it's done for the guys has helped us not settle. I think a lot of times we have settled for difficult shots that – like, obviously, you make them. Good players make tough shots. But when you break down the metrics and you look at, okay, but if I can just take one more dribble and get to this spot or if I can get to this shot over the course of a game and over the course of the season, it makes us so much better. So just being able to see what actually works and what doesn't is, is really awesome. Have any of those numbers validated or, I guess, changed your mind on, wait, I thought I was good at this, but the numbers show that I'm not as good and I need to focus on that, anything like that? Um, I think the biggest thing is as a team, uh, one of our numbers that was really poor last year was our spot-up defense. Um, what does that, that mean? That means uh, when you're closing out to a three-point shooter. The, Who's in a spot, catch-and-shoot? Yeah, spot, catch-and-shoot, or put it on the floor. Our closeouts weren't great, and that's not something that we really realized. So that's been a big emphasis all summer is being there on the catch, not giving up wide-open threes. Uh, I think we looked at a metric the other day that showed percentages of college players across the country on their catch-and-shoot threes versus when they just have to adjust and put the ball on the floor one time, and uh, it it drops a ton. So just little things like that. BYU Basketball Media Day on BYU Sports Nation continues. We're talking with Yoli Childs, BYU senior forward. What does a guy like Jake Toulson do to alleviate some of the pressure that you and T.J. Hawes feel as the leaders of this team? Well, Jake, first off, is an unbelievable player. Uh, He's a three-level scorer. He brings a lot of energy and intensity, but he's just a natural leader. He's a guy that that walks in the gym and uh, exudes confidence, and he really knows how to lead a team both vocally and uh, by example. And he's just a guy that brings it every day. And it's really fun. We're both super competitive, and so is TJ. And we're able to push each other and compete and talk smack a little bit throughout <laughs> practice. And it, it brings a lot of energy, so it's fun. Now, you're competing against him right now because, as BYU should, prepare to play the first nine games without you. So you spend some time with the practice squad, and you, and you go head-to-head with TJ Haas and Jake Toulson. What's that dynamic like? It's fun. I mean, we switch it up. So a lot of times I'm with that group, and – uh, certain times I'm on the the second group and certain times I'm on the practice squad group. So um, it's a fun dynamic of getting to play with a lot of different guys that I haven't been able to play with. And it's always fun when you can beat Jake and Tej and those guys. <laughs> it's always fun. How often does that happen? Often. <laughs> no, Jake's on here soon. It, it, uh, it happens every once in a while. I mean, we're, we're really deep. A lot of the guys that we have that – our practice squad guys or our walk-ons are really good basketball players. And, and the sit-out guys, right? Yeah. Barcelo, yeah. Harwood, yeah. Barcelo, yeah. They're awesome. Rich is a load. Barcelo's incredible. Wyatt can really stretch the floor. So uh, it's, it's definitely a really good team. That's awesome. Let's talk about the, uh, the role that maybe pick-and-roll could play on this team, which the NBA has gone heavy pick-and-roll the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Uh, yes, in college, some St. Mary's has done it a ton over the years, but will that will we see more pick and roll this season? Yeah, I think that's one of Coach Pope's best qualities is his ability to teach the pick and roll and to teach the reads off of that. 
Uh, I, I've learned a ton on how to be a role man and what reads to make when you get the catch. And uh, it's, it's crazy how much not only I've grown, but all the post players and the guards have grown in the pick and roll game, just breaking it down day by day. Who are the guys in the post that are going to carry the load with you and Gavin out early in the season? First off, Dalton Nixon's been amazing. He's, he's been incredible. He's shooting the ball really well from three. Uh, he makes quick decisions. He pulls down rebounds. His touch looks great. Colby Lee's been very good offensively, especially. Uh, he's getting more active on defense, getting his hand on some shots, and uh, he's, he's looking really good. So those two, I think, will do a really good job of holding it down. Give us a sense, too, of, uh, I guess, how Jesse Wade's played and some of those guys, that are some of the newcomers that set out. Yeah, no, Jesse's been awesome. He can, he can shoot the ball, that's for sure. He's, he's confident shooting the ball anywhere. Whether uh, the hand's down, it's going up. If he's open, it's pretty much over. He can, he can really shoot the ball. But um, that's been something I've been impressed with with the guys is uh, everyone's putting in a ton of extra work on their shots. And uh, it, it's just, it looks beautiful. Our offense looks amazing. What does it mean to you to not have Gavin probably for this season? That was, a, that was some big news a couple weeks ago. Oh, man, that, that hurt a lot, especially just the type of guy Gavin is. You know, you, you obviously look at it from a basketball standpoint and, and how hard it's going to be not having him, the, the things he's done. He's put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He was looking amazing. He was, he was huge and still jumping out of the gym and playing hard and finishing. So obviously you look at that stuff, but, you know, just as a person, like this year is going to be really, really hard for him. And he's such a great guy, and he's someone I've played with since I was 16, you know, and I really just feel for him and, and what he's going to go through. But I know he's going to be there to support us every day, and um, we're going to try to be there and, and make sure he feels involved and feels like he's a part of the team still. And you just feel for him. It's a yeah. sucky situation, and um, he's going to try to make the best out of it. We're going to try to make the best out of it and just try to move forward. Yeah, he'll get the red shirt and then uh, be back next year. You guys had an NBA combine kind of – simulation a couple weeks ago who had the higher vertical between these two because there was oh, some Gavin. pictures and some video and it was Gavin. impressive yeah gavin's got me beat. He, ma- he maxed out didn't he like, no, yeah much. no gavin's a, gavin's a freaking nature i think he he had me by uh, two inches probably okay Wait. that's a lot though when you when you look yeah. at uh verticals yeah so yeah he's a freak so what's your vertical versus his then? i think mine was about 37 and he was he was pushing a 40 whoa if you're six if you're six nine Pushing a forty, and you're pushing vertical? a forty-inch vertical. Okay, it's. I mean, that's. It's freakish. It's what, amazing. Was that cool, by the way? I. I mean, you had probably done some of this in your uh, NBA preparation, but yeah. for the whole team to go through this, it was cool. I was really impressed with our guys and the numbers that we produced. When it when it came down to the lateral quickness drills, there's a lane agility and a pro agility drill. Our guys, on average, tested higher than the guys at the NBA Combine. That's the most elite wow. college players in in college basketball. So. The fact that we're moving better laterally than all those guys is, is pretty impressive. All right. We like to hear these things. Love to hear hey, That's great, man. Yes. You're bringing it. smiles to our faces. <laughs> Studio B. Let's give you some karma for the season. Um, we appreciate the way you rep the Y, man. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, it's always you, a good time. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time for Buy, Sell, or Hold, presented by Bodyguards. 
protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Ben Bagley with the goods for buy, sell, and hold. All right, let's start here. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU a four-and-a-half-point favorite against USF. Why? I think BYU is going to win this game by at least a touchdown. I, I feel confident in BYU's ability to go down there and do that. USF has speed, but that's about it. I'm buying it. USF has trouble on and off the field. Yeah. I know they just destroyed UConn. UConn is as bad as UMass, so don't put a lot of stock in it. I am buying BYU as a four-and-a-half-point favorite at USF, even though they've never won in the state of Florida. They're finally going to end the jinx. This is the worst team BYU will have ever played in Florida. Ever. Yeah, it's not close. Next. By seller hold, Jaron Hall leading the Cougars to four wins the rest of the season. I go hold on this because we don't know how long he's going to play. Uh, BYU does have another bye week built in after two games here. Um, I'm into. We're just we're just raking in the cash right now, right? <laughs> so it sounds like holy shnikes. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm hold. I don't know how many games he's going to start. But if he starts six, will he get four wins? Is the question. I'm buying this, and it starts with South Florida. If Jaron Hall beats South Florida, then he will be the quarterback that beats Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. But what, and what those Zach, are your four wins. But what if Zach's ready for those? I don't think BYU's going to rush Zach Wilson back to play at UMass in Amherst. What do you mean? It's on flow football. <laughs> There's no reason. Get Zach ready for the San Diego State game when he has to take on a really tough defense and the bowl game. Yeah, I'm buying this. Jaron Hall will lead BYU to four wins. He'll get him bowl eligible. You're right. If, if he starts six, he's going to. I would buy that. Yeah. But I don't know how many he's going to start. So part of me is hesitant to say yes for him. I mean, Zach Wilson's a freak and he's a hard worker. So maybe he gets healthy and he's like Drew Brees who was throwing. It. Yeah, I know. He I know. It's like, just come back and play. I just don't see why BYU would feel like they need to rush Zach Wilson back for three games that they're going to win regardless of who's playing right. quarterback. You're not playing for an undefeated season or even a 10-win season at this point, right? Hey, we've got some breaking news of sorts, Jerem Jordan. It's Jordan. spraining. It's, it's not spraining it's not news. Yeah. ESPN has announced the kick time and broadcast details. For 14th-ranked Boise State at BYU on October 19th, the game will kick at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 Pacific, that late window (laughs) on ESPN2. It is what it is. Countdown to kickoff. We'll start that night at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on BYU TV again. Now, now we say kick. No, no, the kick will be like at 20. BYU hosting Boise State October 19th, 10.15 p.m. Eastern kick time, 7.15 Pacific on ESPN2. This is what we call Pacific primetime. Eastern time time? No. No, no, no. no, no. Not Eastern primetime. primetime. No. No. It's very late. It is what it is. It's Boise State, though. People stay up and watch that game. People stay up and watch Especially that Especially if they're ranked Not in the, on the top East Coast 15. As, not on the East Coast as much, where 50% of the population lives, but all good. Next. Next one, buy, sell, or hold. BYU's rush defense finishing in the top 65 this season. Okay, currently 119th to 220 a game. To finish in the top 65, the last five years, the average has been 167 allowed a game. That means BYU in the final eight would have to average 129 allowed a game. (laughs) Sell. This is not going to happen. BYU would have to hold all of its teams under every one of their averages right now. There's not a single team that BYU plays the rest of the year. I don't care about Idaho State. The five FBS teams, or six, I guess, left, uh, that average less than 131 right now. So, no, it's not going to happen. Oh, I'm selling this. 
and I can't sell it fast enough. (laughs) Like, BYU would have to be one of the best rush defenses in the country over the final seven games to get back to the midway point. Yeah. What makes you feel like that's going to happen? The the, the argue for competition is worse, but it's not that. I mean, BYU could maybe hold three of the six teams under 129 based on the level of competition, but... Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State as well? I, I, no, and BYU's playing like some third stringers in some positions. Hey, if BYU finishes in the top 80, I will consider that a huge win based on what I've seen in the first five games. I'm selling 65, though. Oh, man. Yeah. Next. All right, last one. Buy, sell, or hold BYU soccer, a top four team in the NCAA currently. I'm buying this. I've seen this play. This team play a couple times in person, calling a few games. I think this is a legit team uh, are they top four I, I say right now absolutely they are they're pretty healthy uh, they are they've gone out on the road and won some significant games they tied at Santa Clara which was a tough place to play you look at Santa Clara you go oh they were five and five it's like no they played a really tough schedule oh, Santa Clara has one of the toughest strength of schedules in all of women's yeah. soccer I hate the RPI but Santa Clara is 25th in RPI it says something not much but something I, I'm buying it. I learned yeah I'm buying it I learned some things about this BYU team when they trailed 2-0 in this game on the road in a place they have never won it showed some serious fortitude yeah and medal to come back and score two goals and get the point. Toughest, get the draw. Toughest team to play in the league. Got the tie. Second toughest team is Pepperdine, which BYU hosts which is on this Wednesday. Wednesday. And then Portland's looking like they're better. They're not the old Portland. What a start to West Coast Conference play at Santa Clara, and then you turn around on a shortish week and host Pepperdine on Wednesday. Yeah, they're 10-0-1. BYU beat Alabama, a team that's receiving votes on the road. They beat Kansas, crushed Kansas ranked team on the road. They beat Texas, Texas A&M, A&M, top 14 team, 2-0 at home. This team has yeah. enough of a resume. Oh, I am buying it right now. They are a top four team. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. After the bye week, BYU enters this week with a record of 2-3. and three. BYU still four wins away from bowl eligibility with seven games remaining in the regular season. Now, while the schedule certainly eases up in relation to the first month, there are no guarantees, or are there? Ben, is the game against South Florida a must-win game for BYU tomorrow? Absolutely it is. And it's not just coach speak because, you know, every game's a must-win if you're a fan or you're a coach or a player. That's the way you look at it. But it's a must-win because it keeps you on schedule. If you look at the season, when the season started, I'd be why you had seven or eight wins for the season. I figured seven wins, that would be an acceptable mar- that'd be acceptable win margin for BYU. Eight wins would be fantastic, and you'd be ecstatic about it, especially after that first four. Well, BYU got through the first four at two and two, which was ahead of schedule. At that point, they were ahead of schedule for win losses. Then they predictably struggled, stumbled, and lost to Toledo. That put them back on schedule. Now, that Toledo loss hurt because... Well, Toledo, you quote unquote, should win that game, and you didn't, and you kind of didn't look great in the loss. So that hurts, and that's the most recent taste in people's mouths. So there's a little bit of bitterness there. But a win tomorrow at USF 
puts you right back on schedule. It gets you back to 500. When I say schedule, here's why I say that. You've got three expected wins left on the, on the schedule. Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. That's taking USF out of it. But if you put USF into that, that puts you right at six wins. Mm-hmm. You're bowl eligible. The season's a, I, I don't know, some sort of measurement of success at that point. But if you lose, all of a sudden you've got to go to Utah State. You've got to beat Boise. You've got to beat San Diego State. You've got to win two of those three, not just one of those three. You'd like to win two of those three, but you must win two of those three if you fall tomorrow at UCF. So to stay on schedule, tomorrow is a must win. Yeah, I agree. It's a must win, especially if the goal, and this is the minimum goal, by the way, for BYU to become bowl eligible. That's that's certainly a goal. And and you, you laid it out perfectly. BYU with two wins currently. Seven games on the schedule, and and I'm counting South Florida in this. There are four games that I think BYU will win, and that includes tomorrow. So South Florida, Liberty, Idaho State, UMass. That gets you, like you said, that gets you to bowl eligibility. Right now, Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State are the games that are not guarantees. With the uncertainty of the USU and Boise games, to be bowl eligible, BYU has to win those four games we mentioned. That means tomorrow's matchup is a must win. Getting those four musts, and and I'm not saying BYU isn't going to beat Utah State, San Diego State, or Boise, but those are, are... far less certain than the four I mentioned. You have to win those four games because the others are not guarantees. BYU has to play well and beat these teams that they should beat. They are they will be favored over all of these te- of those four that we mentioned. They have to win those games. Well, the interesting thing, you and I both went big picture here. If you look just right now, the one thing that makes this another must win for BYU is I don't think the team, the staff, or the fan base can stomach three straight losses. You can't go three straight. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. BYU football now midweek as they prepare for a first-ever meeting with the Bulls of USF and their head coach, Charlie Strong. The last time BYU <laughs> faced Charlie Strong, it went well. It resulted in a 41-7 win for a Taysom Hill-led BYU team when he was at Texas. Obviously, these are different circumstances. Both teams kind of feel desperate for a win. BYU, we joked will clinch bowl eligibility, essentially, if they win this game. Weibull will be there to invite. No, they won't. Brett McMurphy told us yesterday that USF is going to have a very difficult time getting to six wins in bowl eligibility if they don't beat BYU. So, yes, there is some desperation moving into Florida. Jerem, with a first-time quarterback and the first African-American quarterback to make a start at BYU football, Jaron Hall in play. What are fair expectations for him as he takes the Cougars into Florida? To be okay to good, it's hard to know what a spring ball and what a fall camp means. At a fall camp, we thought this BYU offense would be explosive, checking it down the field, blah, blah, blah. It's not been that. We'll see if it's that against lesser competition. We'll see. It wasn't against Toledo, although Toledo's quality. Against uh, USF and Liberty, it's different than you know against Toledo and Utah State or whatever. I, let's assess the situation. Stuff going uh, against Jaron Hall in this game. Eastern time zone game, always just tough naturally, right? Road game, game in Florida, BYU hasn't won there. USF's third in FBS in takeaways, 14 this year. Fourth in FBS in tackles for loss. I gave him the karma Monday, though. That's going yes, for him. Did, and for him, USF out. stinks. And also for him, the Bulls give up 30 a game. So there's, there's some interesting uh, dynamics in play here. Also a bye week that's going for him. So I expect him to be okay to good. Jaron Hall, I hope, doesn't feel like he has to be 
everything for the BYU offense. He's got to be a lot of it, but hopefully the BYU O-line, which uh, I think we thought preseason would be better than it has been, uh, rises to the occasion, has a good game. Emmanuel Super rushed at the ball um, effectively, and then Jaron Hall can make simple plays. I expect Jaron Hall to use his legs a little more than Zach Wilson has the last uh, four games. The first game, Zach Wilson used his legs effectively against Utah, but it was too little too late. BYU was down by too much to, for it really to matter. So I expect him to be okay to, to good. I'll quantify his expectations with two numbers and a letter. The first number is 400. I expect Jaron Hall to lead BYU to 400 total yards of offense. That'd be good. Against a defense. They do produce a lot of turnovers, but they give up a ton of points as well. BYU should be able to accumulate at least 400 yards of total offense against this specific USF team. The second number is 24. I expect BYU to score at least 24 points, which would be better than their season average, by the way. The Cougars average just over 22 points. So even with a first-time starting quarterback and two time zones and BYU having never won a game in Florida, I expect BYU to hit that magical number that Bronco Mendenhall put in place of 24, and that has them exponentially, gives them a chance to an exponentially greater chance to win the game if they just reach that number, especially on the road. Okay, so 24 points. The letter I'll give you is a W. I expect Jaron Hall to win. Oh, if BYU doesn't win this game, they have huge problems. I think BYU has problems, but they're, it's, BYU's played a tough schedule. The 11th toughest schedule, according to Sagarin. USF stinks. BYU should perform well and win. BYU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Last I checked, according to our friends in the desert, I expect a W. So fair expectations for Jaron Hall, 400 yards of total offense, 24 points at least on offense, and a win, most importantly, in Tampa. Let's draw a line in the sand. Is it NCAA tournament or bust for Cougar Hoops this season? It has to be. This has to be the expectation. I know that everything has kind of it's seemingly fallen apart over the past few months with a nine-game suspension for Yoli Childs and Gavin Baxter's injury that's reportedly going to keep him out the entirety of the season and Zach Salius and TJ Haas had his knee scoped. We'll ask him about that when he comes in in just a little bit. It doesn't matter. The expectation remains the same. As much as we want to say, you know what, let's rein it back, this team will carry that expectation, and I'm on board with that. Just find a way. It's been too long. It's been four-plus years since BYU has been in the NCAA tournament. It's time to get back. And with seniors in play, I know Yoli Childs is going to be out the first nine games. He's, this is still his senior season. He's still going to play a clear majority of these games. He's still going to get to play all the league games against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, as will TJ Haas and Jake Toulson. Yes, I'm on board. It is NCAA tournament or bust for this team, regardless of everything that's happened with injuries and off-the-court issues. This question is less about what we expect this team to do and more about where the standard of success is with the program. Yeah, the standard remains so the same. The standard is the NCAA tournament. I do not expect this team to make the NCAA tournament. I hope a ton that this team figures out a way to get in there. They've been dealt a hand, some self-serving, uh, most not, that is difficult, right? Um, but it's all about the NCAA tournament. No one cares about the NIT. I'm going to get everyone. Okay, tell me the answer. Like, say it out loud, including you, if you know. Who won the NIT last year? Um, I don't know. It doesn't Nobody matter. Cares. It was Texas. Who was the runner-up? Lipscomb. Semifinalist, Wichita State and TCU. No one cares. Exactly. No one cares. I refuse to celebrate mediocre. And mediocre is the NIT. If BYU goes to the NIT and they win it, 
That doesn't mean it's not progress and something positive. I'm just saying the standard of excellence for BYU basketball is high, and it's making the tourney. And that's a tough thing to do. Okay? That, that's a tough thing to do uh, when you're not in a Power 6 league and you're not Gonzaga, right? It's a different era. It's, it's tougher. Like, remember when Nevada played Boise State in football? It was like a top-five matchup in, like, 2010 or 11. That would never happen now. Like, in football, basketball, it's just a different time. And so for BYU, what they've got to do is figure out a way in March to be ready to pull off the upset in Vegas and do what they haven't done since 01. And if they do it, amazing, right? It'll be cool. If they don't, hopefully they'll be in position where it was a fun ride, there were some great games, some great wins, some great individual moments. And then you go from there. It's not just March. The league is so good at the top with Gonzaga and St. Mary's both expected to be high seeds or low seeds, depending on how you look at it in the NCAA tournament. But to receive favorable seeds, at least single-digit seeds, that BYU is going to have four opportunities for resume statement games well, in six. league. Yeah. Maybe more, yeah. right? Maybe more. This, this, I refuse to with the NIT to celebrate mediocre, just as I'm not going to celebrate two and two being like excellent. It's relatively excellent, right? Three and one in, in BYU's first four would have been awesome. Two and two is 500. I'm not going to celebrate 500. Like, it's relatively good, given the lower standard of BYU football expectation right now. But we aren't expecting BYU to win 10 games. We're hoping they win 8. Progress. Okay, and yes, there are different levels of progress. If BYU wins 7 regular season games, technically that's a step forward compared to the 6 regular season wins they won in the football realm last year. If basketball gets to the NIT, technically it's a step forward, right? Right. Right, but I'm not going to celebrate it as if it was something excellent. The standard is I'm the NCAA excellence tournament. excellence versus mediocre. Sure, right? okay. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan recently spoke with the redshirt freshman one-on-one. This is BYU Football All Access on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Jaron, I was thinking we could start a podcast. Jerem and Jaron, does that sound all right? It flows. I like it. I like it. (laughs) It's good. Okay, what's life like for you right now as you know, okay, I'm the starting quarterback. Life's a little different. Yeah, honestly, it's the same as you know when I wasn't. You know, just preparation, going to school, going to football. You know, it's, it's all the same. Do you feel different at all? Any added, uh, I guess, positive pressure of something you've hoped for when you were younger, right? To be the starter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's exciting and a little more urgency, you know, to get on the field and just get out there. So I'm just excited. What's the last, uh, I guess, the bye week like as you've sat on this knowing, okay, I get a little extra prep time for my first start? Yeah, just that, be able to spend more time on the film, uh, film room, you know, a little less time on the field, get a couple of days off, let our bodies get right. So it's been good just to get ahead on the film and, you know, get, uh, you get to work on South Florida. You got the last drive after the injury to Zach Wilson with his thumb. What did those plays mean to you in your preparation for this next game? Uh, just more experience, more experience in the game and, you know, hopefully you know, transition that over to the game this week. We've seen you as a redshirt freshman last year. You played up to four games, so you redshirted, and then a couple times this year. What what else do you feel like you have to show that you haven't been able to quite yet? Yeah, just my ability to throw the ball. You know, as a quarterback, I think uh, that's that's the most important thing right now is to be able to do that to operate the offense. And so, I think I'll have a great opportunity to do that this week. Obviously, with with the start. So, 
Do you have to fight that stereotype of everyone assuming you're a runner, but you're like, no, I, I pass the ball? No, I never really, you know, get caught up in all that. I just know I have a job to do on the field. You know, what I do in, in these walls and on the field is all that matters. So I never really get you know, caught up in all that talk on the side. We've talked a lot about uh, the dual sport part. You join, I think, Gifford Nielsen and Ryan Hancock and some other guys who have played uh, two sports. How has baseball helped prepare you for this? I think, you know, being able to play in baseball games this last year gave me just you know, experience at a college level, just to feel the, the competition, to enjoy it. And so now, you know, a lot of it will be similar on the field this week. And so baseball has just been, you know, a, a, an extra help to football, football to baseball, vice versa. So it just, you know, all, all works out. Dad, Kalen played running back here. Of course, KJ played running back here. Whose advice do you take the most? Uh, I take both of their advice. They, uh, they, they usually <laughs> offer the same stuff, you know, like the same person. Mm. But, uh, yeah, they both have been a good help, just a positive support and encouragement. So are you more like your mom than your dad, or how would you assess that? I like to say I'm more like my mom. She's mm. a very you know, kind-hearted, gentle woman I love so much. But I think there's bits and pieces of me that they resemble my dad for sure. Mm. How are you different athletically than your brother, KJ? I'm a better athlete, you know, so that's, that's about all there is. I'm the best so in yeah. your family. So anyway. Yeah, you can run and throw. <clears throat> exactly. He, he doesn't have the throw part. He yeah, can run a little better, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, yeah. I can throw the ball, so yeah. I'll take that. Uh, certainly the challenge with South Florida will be an interesting one. A team that struggled a little bit, but coming off a win, um, how would you assess uh, the Bulls? They're, they're a great team. You know, we've got to be ready for them. We'll have a great game plan. Um, their defense is, you know, very athletic and inexperienced, and they'll be good. So we just got to be ready to go and just, you know, play our game. How have you prepared for this mentally? Because it could have come sooner. You, yeah. you never know. Um, but how have you prepared for this mentally knowing, okay, I'm the backup and I'm one play away? Yeah, just that mentality, one play away. You know, every, every rep. You know, when you're in, when you're off the field watching, you got to take it as if you're in, as if you're the guy starting, because you never know when your time's going to come. So just this, you know, the whole last year and a half, just preparing for this moment every single day and, and every play of practice has, has been you know, a, big, a big deal about that. I imagine when you imagined it that it wasn't necessarily in an NFL stadium in Florida, but that's an exciting opportunity to play in the home of the Bucks, right? Yeah, it just adds a little something to it, you know, a little uh, history in an NFL stadium, so that'll be fun and exciting, and you know, I'm just excited to go play. I imagine uh, humidity and, and potentially cramping up could be an issue. Are you a pickle juice guy? Have you ever gone that route for the humidity? I know I have not. I've never drinking the pickle juice, so I just stick with my good old water, and it's done me well. So. Okay. That's good, because I don't wish that upon anyone. I've tried it. It's not great. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> well, good luck this week against South Florida. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. It's like, good luck. You play a little bit better than you would have, and uh, have fun in Tampa. Thank you very much. That was huge. Jaron Hall, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan to receive the BYU Sports Nation karma. This is the next great test oh, of the power right. of the BYU yes. Sports Nation karma. You were right. At USF, BYU desperate for a win. Redshirt freshman quarterback making his first career start at BYU. Yes, the karma will be tested in Tampa. Have you, have you had pickle juice? I, I have, I've, not, I've not drunk pickle juice. Now, I love pickles. Love them. I don't know if I'd be able to drink pickle juice, though, like oh, does, in, in a large quantity. Does biting into a juicy pickle count as consuming pickle juice? No, it doesn't, <laughs> because we've all done that. I'm talking about taking like a jar of pickle juice and drinking. I think because I like pickles so much, I could probably do it. I just don't know if I want to do it. I have something for you to try that I brought back from Toledo. Okay. Um, it's, they're called spicy hot pickles. Oh. They're so good. Wait, 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 so wait. Good. wait. You've been home from Toledo for, like, over a week I'm now. I'm sorry, okay? It no, 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 no. put on the back burner. No, no, but my, my point is, is this still going to be edible? Of course. 
They're in the refrigerator. Okay. They haven't been opened. Okay, well, I didn't know like they've been sitting in the top in your desk no, drawer or they something. They haven't been opened, and they're in the fridge cooling. Are they in our fridge up in our office? No, Dang no, it! Why I, didn't you bring those today? I will bring them. <laughs> that sounds you, amazing. I will bring you the spicy hots. That sounds amazing. Did, did you watch my taste of Toledo story? Yes. No, you didn't, or else you would know. <laughs> so you need to watch it, and you can learn where I I'm got it. I'm on them. the air. What? You can learn where I got it. It's on demand, Jason. Oh. oh, man. Anytime, anywhere. And I called you a Power 5 equivalent co-host. <laughs> Good grief. Look, I'm on the air on radio, okay? Yeah, whatever. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We take you to What's the Chance? Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. What's the chance? Ah, yes. Ben Bagley. Help us keep climbing in our production of this show value. And join us, won't you? All right, five BYU basketball-centric what's-the-chance questions. Let's start here. What's the chance Yoli Childs leads BYU in total points this season despite a nine-game suspension? 35%. 18 a game, nine games is 162 points. Childs outscored Haas by 179 points last year. I think Jake Toulson will counterbalance some of what T.J. Haas and Yoli Childs do. I think BYU is going to have three dudes that average 15-plus. I don't think it's going to be three dudes with 20-plus. That would be gnarly and unrealistic, honestly. But, yeah, three with 15-plus, absolutely. Oh, man, if Yoli Childs leads this team in total points despite missing nine games, then he went off in the back 26 or 28 or whatever it is. Hopefully it's like 30. Uh, But that means he goes off. I I think that there are a lot of shots to go around for TJ Haas and Jake Toulson, so... Uh, I'm a little bit lower than you. I say 20% Yoli Childs comes back and leads in total points despite missing nine games. Yeah, 20%. Next. Let's stick with points, guys. What's the chance Jake Toulson is BYU's second leading scorer in points per game? 72.6%. I think that he will be. I think Jake (laughs) is a tremendous scorer. I think that combination with T.J. Howes is going to be fun to watch. I think Jake will best T.J. Howes barely in points. I think Yoli Childs could be the... I think Yoli Childs will lead the team in per-game average. But Jake Tilson's a guy that's just crazy efficient. Last year averaged about 16 a game, but he was a 180 guy, meaning he, he averaged from three, uh, the field overall, and free throw, a combined 180% or more. That's, he was one of less than 10 in college basketball to do that. Undoubtedly, T.J. Haas can fill it up on any given night. He can go for 30, 35. Like, that'll happen. There will be a couple of games where he just goes nuts and makes six three-pointers. But he's best when he has the ball in his hands as a distributor. He's going to create a lot of buckets for Jake Toulson and Yoli Childs. I think Jake Toulson, 89%, which is right around his free throw percentage, will be the second leading scorer because the emphasis will be on the pick and roll, getting Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson the ball with T.J. Howes occasionally going for a 30-point game. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost 90% that he'll be the second-leading scorer. Next. Setting the bar on this next one in Jerem's favorite, the bar of mediocrity. What's the <laughs> chance that BYU splits the se- regular season series with St. Zaga? I got like 18% or something. I, I, I think with St. Mary's, that's a realistic idea, right? With Gonzaga, it's tough. I know BYU did it three years in a row. That was amazing. I shaved my head. I, I remember. Remember when you shaved your head? Yes, I remember. 
Uh, I, I think that'd be amazing. I think beating Gonzaga is always going to be tough. Hard to know who the Zags are this year after losing a couple of draft picks, right, for uh, first time in a while, maybe ever. I'm not sure. Perhaps they've had multiple. But, uh, yeah, I go low percentage here. I think where BYU really needs to get them, though, is in Vegas. It's not in the regular season. If BYU splits the regular season series with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, then how much does that better their NCAA tournament chances? Like, all of a sudden, I'm feeling like putting on the cap just thinking about... Just about those two? Just thinking about splitting the regular season series with those teams because if BYU is good enough to do that, then they're certainly good enough to beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga in Las Vegas. Right. They'll Are be, they not? Yeah, I just... At-large resume is going to be tough without Yoli Childs in those first nine and no Gavin Baxter, the whole deal. I, it's, BYU's always matched up well with Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga's blown BYU out a few times. But BYU's had a better matchup with that. St. Mary's, BYU has not matched up as well with the pick and roll and with the quick guard, Jordan Ford and whatever. and Malik Fitz is a, a guy that has given Fitz to BYU. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see how BYU matches up with Gonzaga with kind of a new-look group. I feel like this is kind of the discussion that we had about BYU football. What's the chance BYU goes 2-2 two and two in the first four against the Power Five? Oh, 100%. They're going to win in overtime against Tennessee and USC. We called our shots in the summer. We, we both said that. Said no one. <laughs> we both thought probably yeah. one and three, right? Right. So we're, I think so, we're so leaning towards one and three right now, but I, I don't know. There's who's going to be worse about, than we thought then? There's something to be said about senior leadership and with TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, and Yoli Childs all in the lineup for these games, I'm leaning towards like 40%. BYU wins 40% of their Power 5 games as a football team, right? 40% BYU splits the regular season series with these teams because they have seniors and experienced players and we hope they'll be playing their best basketball with their best players at that time. Yes, absolutely. Splitting would be awesome. Winning three out of four seems like crazy delicious. Yes. Right? Like Mr. Pibb and Red Vines. That'd be dope. Yeah, for 40%. I-, I like the senior factor for sure. And Yoli Chaz doesn't have to sit out any of those games. So Thank goodness. That. Yeah. Next. What's the chance BYU wins more than 20 games this season? 73%. I, I think BYU wins 20 games, at least. Uh, if they only win 20 games... Uh, NIT bound. Yeah, NIT bound, right? You're, you're not going to probably win the uh, tournament in Vegas. But that, that, see, that's the thing. I, I'm not thinking about the at-large very much for this season. I'm just not. With no Gavin Baxter and with no Yoli Childs for nine games, I'm not going to focus on the at-large. I'm going to focus on, can BYU make a run in Vegas? I mean, th- I think that's what this season comes to is... Can BYU figure it out without Yoli Childs, play good ball, so that when Yoli Childs is inserted, this team has an identity, but they just get way better with Yoli Childs. And then in early March in Las Vegas at the Orleans Arena, when we are there, that we witness BYU do what they haven't done since 2001 and win the conference tournament. You can book your trip right there. It always comes down to that. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. You get hot in March in Las Vegas, you're going to the NCAA tournament. That is the beauty and pain, if you're BYU, of that reality. Uh, I'm sorry about the uh, 19 and 13 bottoming out situation that BYU basketball went through that brought on a coaching change and so much other stuff, but is BYU not better than that team? Like, that team won 19 games last year. You'd hope. Is this BYU team not better than that? Yes unequivocally, they're better than that team that won 19 games last year. 100% they're going to win 20 games. I feel like BYU will be down to San Diego by 44 at any point this upcoming 100%, Jaron, BYU wins at least 20 games this season. That was the first time in 14 years BYU had not won 20 games. 
We all think they're better than they were last year. 100%. Right, but how much better? It, it shouldn't take much to be better than that. That team wasn't good. It was a bad team. Next. Last one. Speaking of Vegas, what's the chance BYU wins the WCC tournament? <laughs> I mean, whatever percentage we say, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to say, I'll say 5%. Like, it's a chance the RBI doesn't win. They haven't won it since 01. They have to get through St. Mary's and Gonzaga in all likelihood. But it doesn't matter. Like, if BYU wins that, St. Mary's won it last year. St. Mary's was not going to go to the tourney if they didn't win the league. And they did in Vegas. So I think that opens the door just a little bit to go, oh, Gonzaga is beatable. And that was a good Gonzaga team with two lottery pit or two uh, first rounders, right? Um, that's a big deal um, if BYU could do that. It doesn't matter what percentage I say here. But what do you say? What number does Yellow Childs wear? 21. What is right? it? 20, is it? I can't remember. 23, sorry. 23. Oh, Michael 20, Jordan. 23. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like that percentage. 20, 23%. It's on, it's on Yoli Childs and the seniors, man. 23% BYU right, can pull it off. Knock on wood if you're with me. They can pull it off and do something they haven't done in almost two decades. 23%. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in, jamming with Juddy, Jeff Judkins, BYU women's basketball coach, NBA veteran, all-around good man. Juddy, great to have you back in studio. It's nice to be in the studio. Been a long time. Yes, it has. It's been a minute. And uh, you were out of... uh out of this area last week, Vegas, media yes. day, yes. the whole deal. How was that? Well, it's nice to go down there and see all the other coaches and kind of meet people in the in the in our conference and and be able just to kind of see where teams are. And you know, it was really fun. I, I I brought Paisley with me, and there's a lot of kind of fun things that they do. And you guys well know Paisley has a great sense of humor. Yes. So to have her there was really fun and. Um, you know, it was nice. It was nice. It was, it was nice just to kind of get away, like you've kind of said earlier before, just to get away and just kind of see where where everything's going. You're a brave soul to tackle the media melee with Paisley Johnson by your side. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen with her, which is <laughs> awesome, but it's also scary. But she did a great job, and you know, we we both had a lot of fun together doing that. Uh, you picked second in the league. Is that a fair assessment of your team? or, or Because different coaches, t- they go, you know what, we're ignoring this. Or we're going to use this as motivation if it wasn't what we wanted. Well, you know, I, I figured we'd be in the top three. Um, I think if we'd have had Shaley, we probably would have been picked first because of more returning starters. But, you know, I'm real happy where Maria's at right now. She was our backup point guard last year, played a lot of minutes for us, and She's playing really well, and you know my team. When I told them for practice, they were they weren't real happy about it. But as they I weren't. told them, no, they were not. Mm. They felt they they're one of the better the best team in the league. And I said, well, you got to go out and prove it. So um, those things are great. The bottom line is is come out and perform and do what you need to do as a team, and hope everybody's healthy. You guys were talking earlier about football. It's the same basketball. You got to have people that are healthy and ready to go. Do you feel like your team is the best team in the league with Shaley Gonzalez in the line? Oh, there's no question. I think losing her, I think it's it's going to take on some more responsibility for some other players. 
but they can do it. I think Sarah, with not playing uh, volleyball this year, she's had a lot more time to spend with us. As I mentioned, Maria's playing really well. Uh, Brenna seemed seemed to move up her game. Paisley, Jasmine's worked really hard in the offseason with her shots, her outside shot. Chalet is becoming where I can play, maybe play both her and Sarah. And then Babalu has is worked really hard. She's going to play some three for me this year, both her and Sig. And so it's just been a good combination. And and hopefully we get Caden back. She's trying to get back with her foot. She's practiced really more the last week than she almost did the whole year last year. So that's a real positive thing. So, you know, when something happens, your team has to rally and get together. And it's not one person that just totally turns it all around. It's all of them just doing a little bit more, a little bit more. How is the adaption without Shaylee Gonzalez? Because she did tear ACL kind of early in the summer to where, okay, we know we don't have her, and now we can figure this out. Kind of like the men's team is doing without Yoli for the first nine games. Yeah, I, I think it helps. It, it would be worse if she got hurt right now. I think in July it, it gave some of the players all summer to think about what they need to do and what what they need to do to help this team and how can they improve. And as a coaching staff, I had two new coaches, so now getting them together and trying to figure out what we need to do for this team to be successful. We might change a few things. I mean, Shaley was, you know, both offensive, defensively, did a lot of things that, like, with pressure, with her, with her quickness and her penetration. But um, you just, as a coach, you have to kind of, Bounce, bounce and do the things that you need to for what's going to fit your team best. What's the status of Shaley's injury recovery after the torn ACL? You know, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I sit there in practice and look over the side, and she's over there shooting around, and I'm going, is she coming back? I mean, you know, huh. she's worked so hard. Shaley's one of the hardest-working kids I've known. She's going she's gonna to work, but she's going to sit out this year. Um, we're, we're making sure that that she just rehabs and gets the time that she needs. And I'm going to have her – she's going to every game, every road game. She's going to be on the bench. She's going to be doing something for me as on, to try to get her mind into it. I did that with Haley. I did that with Lexi, and I think it really helped. So, yeah, and you've been, you've been through this situation where you've had a star player with an injury. So what role can she play on this team uh, – as assistant coach, yeah. student, player, peer, coach. Correct. Kind of deal. She's got to do that. She's got to be involved and go over and spend time with the young players and even the players that she played with last year and say things to them, maybe at halftime, maybe even during the game that, that maybe I can't say or another coach could say. And then she'll see things which will make her a lot better player, especially being the point guard. The point guard is the quarterback of the, of the team. So for her to be able to say things and see things that are being told to the players, I think can really help her. And that's, that's what I want to do with her for sure. Just as long as she doesn't say, listen, whatever Jetty told you, just ignore it. Do this. <laughs> that's right. She won't do it. She knows better than that. <laughs> Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation. How do you bolster your team's morale when you lose a player like that? Because you have gone through it several times, and now you look at a situation BYU football is dealing with. Zach Wilson's out for an extended period of time. Tyson Williams' star running back's out for the remainder of the season. What would you say to the BYU football coaches and team, given what you have gone through on several occasions? Well, first of all, the person that's backing them up, as you know, depth is so important to almost anything in football, basketball, any sport. But a lot of these athletes are very confident in themselves. 
this is an opportunity that comes, and opportunities come all the time in, in, in during the season in a career. And it's like Maria's ready for this. Hall's ready to step in, just like Wilson was last year. And they, they prepare themselves and get ready for it and come out. And, and they really have they have a lot to lose because they want to perform well. But they also kind of some way don't either because nobody expecting all this stuff. But a team a team rallies together. It's, it's the greatest thing to see as a coach. When you see a team, a key player gets hurt, how everybody rallies together and everybody tries to work work together on it. It's not just one person that fills that, that position um, just takes over. But it's weird because, you know, Tom Brady, if – if Drew doesn't get hurt, he never gets the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? So you look at this and you say, here's some young talent that now is going to get an opportunity to hopefully be able to play and, and really help the team. Uh, Sarah Hampson's an interesting story in that uh, last year she came into the season with a knee injury and uh, got back in December and had a big impact. She's not playing volleyball like you mentioned. What kind of uh, development is she going through right now? She's playing just basketball and coming in healthy. She is a totally different player right now. Really? Oh, yeah. She's stronger. She's got better balance. She's scoring. Her timing is better. She's in better shape. She's in rhythm with the team. She's got that, those relationships. She understands what's going on. It's been, a, it's been a real help. I think this is going to make... A big difference by losing Shaylee is that her her play is going to come in now. Her and Shaylee can play together. Where kind of last year we didn't have enough opportunities to do that. Um, you know, Lee has been working. Lee and Ray have been working with with Sarah, and she's done some things offensively that I haven't. I mean, she catches the ball from the top of the key and drives it and lays it in. I haven't seen that in two years. She's catching the ball a lot better with timing. She's got better balance. Her outside shot is coming. You know, and so all these things are building, and she seems to be pretty fired up about it. And I think, uh, uh, you know, really ready to really kind of change change her image, not just be a defensive presence. She wants to be an offensive presence, also. NCAA All American, NBA veteran, and current BYU women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation. You talked about depth and the importance of it at the point guard position. The aforementioned Maria Albiero is expected to step in and do a nice job. Who's behind Maria Albiero, and who else will handle the ball for this team with Shaylee Gonzalez? Well, you know, if people don't realize, Brenna, when she came as a freshman, was my backup point, so she can do it. Um, Kaylee Smiler, who's from who a redshirt last year, who's kind of a combo guard, also plays plays a lot like Brenna, kind of the way she plays, can shoot it and drive it. Those those three are kind of I'm looking at probably the most to be able to do it. Um, I think Brenna because Brenna's experience and sometimes uh, taking that position so much is kind of riding on how you handle the ball, where you get your team in their offense, and all those things. So Brenna probably will be backing up uh, Maria. Uh, you hope those horses on your team are good. How are the actual horses that you have at home? Well, about two weeks ago, I got bucked off one of them. And- oh. And really hurt my ribs, and so I've been kind of in a lot of pain. But uh, had a great summer with them, spent a lot of time, um, except for right at the end. You think you haven't trained, you know? And I was getting on a horse, and all of a sudden, there I go, I'm on the ground. So uh, More importantly, has this affected your shot, Jetty? I haven't really shot much because so, <laughs> it's hurt. So oh. hopefully it'll get back. I'm feeling a lot better today. Good, good. Last, last bit. Wow. Have you been bucked off before? Yes. When I was younger. Yeah. When I could bounce back a lot easier, I'm I'm different now. A little different now.
Sorry, man. Yeah, I know. It's all right. I, I have bruised ribs occasionally, too, and I'm like, oh, it's the worst. I can't sneeze. Yeah, I can't, it's I can't. hard. Yeah. People don't realize. You don't realize that until you get injured. Yeah, exactly. Hey, train the horses. I'll train them. L- luckily, <laughs> you have an athletic uh, you know, staff that can help you with the bruised ribs. That's right. right. At least yeah. I got you. Not everyone in their job can have That's that. Right. We That's got nice. some good help. That's yeah. right. Extra treatment today. <laughs> treatment. The accountant not yeah. getting treatment. Yeah. Jody, it's great to catch up with you, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks. It's nice to be here, and good luck with everything. Season's yeah. around the corner. So. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us from Tampa, Florida, poolside, Spencer Linton. Uh, Spencer, first of all, thank you for joining us. It is currently 34 degrees here in Provo. Uh, What's the temp there in Tampa? Because you look really cold. Well, it's roughly 50 degrees warmer Fahrenheit, of course, here in Tampa, Florida. And uh, just a little bit humid. So the climate is just a little different. Now, that said, BYU anticipates 87 degrees when kickoff happens tomorrow against USF. So it's definitely going to be warm, and they will be feeling the humidity. And let me say this. Ben Bagley, welcome to the co-host chair. It took 1,600-plus episodes. (laughs) It's about time we got you in that seat. Well, hey, it's a little uncomfortable in this chair. I'm not going to lie. My chair in the control room, much more comfortable than the one out here. But that's it. Hey, you mentioned the humidity and the heat there, Spencer. Did Did you pack your pickle juice? I have not packed my pickle juice, but I'm happy to report that there are several places we can obtain some pickle juice and some Gatorade because, of course, yes. Gatorade was founded in the state of Florida, right? So we we got to go get both those things, stay hydrated, or maybe I should say Powerade because BYU is a Powerade. Yes, yes we yes, are yes. a Powerade school, exactly. Um, We've been talking a lot about Jaron Hall this week, obviously making his first start. Uh, You and I were having a conversation uh, about him yesterday. Um, Expectation-wise, what what are your realistic expectations for Jaron Hall tomorrow? I put out two numbers in a letter earlier this week, and I'll reinforce those. I think that BYU will hit that magical 24-plus point mark. I don't know that it's all going to be offense. I mean, it would be amazing if BYU could swing together some type of defensive touchdown because they've given up plenty of those this year. But I think 24-plus points for BYU led by a Jaron Hall offense isn't too much to ask against a USF defense that has given up massive numbers, massive numbers. And you guys have gone through the specifics of those. The other thing I think is BYU will have at least 400-plus total yards of offense. So 24 points. 400-plus of total offense, and the letter is W because BYU will leave with a win, and Jaron Hall is going to win his first start as a BYU quarterback. Well, if, you th- if you're expecting those massive numbers, 400-plus yards of total offense, Jaron Hall is going to need some help, and we talked about that in the first segment, Spencer, is our question of the day. Who or what will help Jaron Hall the most in his first start, especially if he's going to get those kind of numbers? His offensive line is going to help him the most. If they can just give him enough protection so that he can make the easy reads and the easier throws, they're not going to dumb the playbook down per se, but they're going to give him simple plays to get him comfortable in the pocket, and then they'll kind of give him some slack to sling it down the field a little bit. But his offensive line is going to have to be really good early on to make him feel comfortable in the pocket, and they should 
They should be able to do that because this is what we've talked about all offseason and now into the season. The strongest position group, we think, is the offensive line. Now it's time for them to prove it against a team they should be better than. So I think the offensive line can help them the most, and that will help the run game. And if the run game gets going, watch out. BYU might. They might just score 30-plus points. Spencer, you're a smart man because I said almost exactly what you just said in the A block. I think it's the offensive line, not just for protection, but allowing the run game to help Jaron out as well. Uh, And if you mentioned the 400 yards of offense and 24-plus points, if you're expecting those types of numbers, maybe I already know where you're going to go with this, but which side of the ball do you expect to have the better day? Is it going to be the offense or the defense tomorrow? I think we're going to see a very motivated defense, Jason, because of everything that's been said about the Cougars' inability to stop the run. If I'm one of the BYU coaches, I am piping that little number of how they're giving up 220 yards of rushing every game to opposing offenses. I I will remind them of that all the time to put that added chip on their shoulder. I think it's going to be the BYU defense that shuts things down with the run, we'll be impressed with those numbers tomorrow. So 400-plus of total offense is impressive. And as Ben mentioned, they're going to have to help Jaron Hall out in a number of places on the offensive side of the ball. But overall, I think that defensive front, the line, the linebackers, they're going to make some plays against that USF run game, and we're going to be impressed with what they do because they've been hearing how bad they are all week. In fact, two weeks because it's off of a bye week. Well, I was going to ask you about that next, Spencer. You talk about coming off of a bye week. Now, obviously, the Cougars are going to be rested, but how ornery are they going to be? You're coming off of two straight losses. You want to avoid the third, and you've heard everybody ch- chatter about it, especially the defense. Hey, you guys need to get more pressure. Do this, do this. You've heard that for two weeks now without actually playing a game, so how ornery do you expect the Cougars to be tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the chip is going to be there. They're going to be angry. They're going to play with ferocity. They're going to play fast. It's time for them to put up or shut up to steal an oft-used cliche. BYU's defense is ready to play. They're ready to go. They're ready to win a game for Kalani Satake. It's his birthday week, for crying out loud. (laughs) And I know he, more than anybody else, is desperate for BYU to get back to 500 and build some type of momentum going into a huge game with Boise State. BYU has a lot to prove against USF tomorrow and build confidence and momentum as they prepare for Boise State next week. Okay, so staying on that track, we all expect BYU to win I think we all expect BYU to win handily with what you just said is tomorrow a must win for BYU absolutely oh this is a must win if BYU does not win this game then things around the program are going to start to hit a low like 2017 and I know that sounds kind of dramatic but this is a much better team than BYU fielded in 2017 overall. And if they drop to 2-4 and four with three straight losses, including losses to Toledo and USF, then it's going to get really weird. And BYU is going to have a tough time getting bowl eligible. That would mean that the Cougars have to win the three guaranteed games we're giving them at home, but then they have to either beat Utah State, Boise State or San Diego State. That's a lot to ask. Tomorrow's game is critical if BYU wants to feel comfortable about securing their postseason spot and, again, turning things around, getting back to 500 and giving themselves some confidence so they can beat a highly ranked Boise State team in Provo. It's a must win for so many reasons. You talk about comfort. Apparently, comfort's the word of the day on BYU Sports Nation because I brought it up in the opening block. Someone else brought it up. Now Spencer's bringing up comfort multiple times. We talk about that comfort. Uh, we've, it's been mentioned multiple times. 
BYU's never won in Florida. Not that it matters for this week, but it's been mentioned multiple times. They fly out Thursday to get the extra day of, uh, to, to, to acclimate, get acclimate. Ready, get you, acclimate the, to the, thank you, acclimate to the to. You've been the thinking East about Coast. climate way too much. It's cold in here. It's freezing. It's freezing. <laughs> You're warm. Yeah, but, but you, you, you get that extra day. Spencer, is that a big deal? Is the whole Florida thing, is it a big deal or no? Well, I think it's mostly a deal because BYU has typically played elite-level competition in the state of Florida. The Cougars aren't playing Florida State or Miami or the Gators of Florida, who they've never played before, by the way, and some BYU fans want them on the schedule. Be careful what you wish for. BYU's playing USF. They're not even playing UCF, for that matter. And BYU went to overtime in 2014 against UCF and almost got the win back then with a backup quarterback in Christian Stewart. Now BYU in a similar situation with a backup quarterback on the road, but off of a bye week and against the worst team from the state of Florida that they have played against. So I'm not buying into that as much as I would before because the level of competition is down. This USF team was trailing 41 to nothing against SMU. They lost to Wisconsin 49 to nothing. Can BYU impose their will and beat a team they should be? BYU is almost a touchdown favorite on the road. They're supposed to win this game. The Cougars need to do it, and it's going to happen. They're going to change the Florida jinx or whatever you want to call it on Saturday. Okay, Spencer, before we let you go, it's time for uh, you're going for two picks. Now, we have Jerem's picks. We'll announce those coming up in a second. The updated scoreboard, and I'm, I'm sure Jerem will be smiling. We won't know why, but he'll have a smile on his face when I read these. He, he has a, an 8-3 to three lead over you. He has an 8 nothing lead over me because I choose not to pick. Yeah. Uh, what are your going for two picks for tomorrow? <laughs> My number one pick for BYU is the number I brought up earlier, 24. BYU's averaging 22 points a game this year. Not good. One of the worst scoring offenses in the country. They will go 24-plus even with the backup quarterback tomorrow. That is my number one going for two pick. My second pick is that BYU's rush defense, which has been giving up 220 rushing yards per game, will hold USF to under 150. I know the Bulls average 121 rushing a game, but this BYU defense has not shown the capability to stop the run really against anybody. It's going to be under 150 tomorrow, and that line and those linebackers are finally going to have their say. Those are my going for two picks. Here are Jerem's picks. Pick number one, he says BYU will cover the opening spread of six and a half points. His number two pick, BYU will have more than one sack they're averaging one a game right now. So uh, those are Jerem's picks. I was looking for the flag on that last one because I, one sack, they're giving up 4.8 a game. Their quarterbacks are basically endangered species. Yes, that's so soft. Here's, here's what I, here's. Oh, Jer- let, Jerem's going super conservative offense. Spencer, before we let you go, I have one request. What are the chances, we're going to play what's the chance, and I'm hoping it's 100%. What's the chance you drop the mic, you take off the electrical equipment, and you jump in that pool right now? What? Nope, not doing it. <laughs> Dang it. I, I should have been prepared. I, should, I, did bring my, I did bring my swimsuit, but my photographer, Dale Green's looking at me going, no, do not, do not drop the mic and do this. <laughs> I got too much equipment on me right now. There you go. There's, uh, there's things riding on this. That, that's right. Spencer, great stuff. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you from Raymond James Stadium tomorrow during Countdown to Kickoff. Thanks, man. You got it, guys. Ben, great to have you in Studio B. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear.
and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.